As we gather here this morning, we reflect on and celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty, the fact that Jesus is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central moment in history which serves as the foundation of the Christian faith. The resurrection is the truth that separates Christianity from all other religions. Listen, no other religious leader can compare to Jesus Christ. Every other religious leader is either alive or dead. Listen, Jesus is the only religious leader that was dead and is now alive. Listen, I can take you to Medina and show you the grave of Muhammad. We can go to India and see the tomb of Gandhi. We can go to China and see where they laid Buddha. We can go to Illinois and see the headstone of Joseph Smith. But if we were to go to Jerusalem and to go to the tomb where they laid Jesus, that tomb is not famous because of who's inside of it, but that tomb is famous because it is empty. If you would open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, I'm going to spend a few minutes, just a few moments as we look at the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The tag for today's message is from death to life, from death to life. If you would, just join me in prayer real quick, and then we'll dive into the message. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for everybody that you brought here. I thank you for this Resurrection Sunday, Lord. Lord, as I come before you this morning, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would make Jesus big, Lord, that we would remember the sacrifice you made for us, Lord, that hearts would be open, that minds would be convicted and challenged and transformed through the power of of your word, Lord. We love you and thank you for all you do. In Christ's name, amen. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, we see the Apostle Paul addressing false teachings at the church in Corinth. For one reason or another, members of the church in Corinth had begun to believe and to teach that there was no resurrection of the dead. This false teaching had crept into the church that basically said that at the end of life, when you take your last breath, that that is the end all, be all of human existence. This teaching taught that when you die, you're done. And so as we look at this text this morning, I want to challenge you with the same challenge Paul gave to the church at Corinth and remind us of the importance and the power of the resurrection. In verses 1 through 11 of chapter 15, Paul just begins by reminding the church at Corinth of the reality of the resurrection, that the, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a true historical moment in history. And after reminding them that the resurrection was real, he says, you know the resurrection is real because your lives testify of it. He says, you have experienced the life changing, transforming power of the gospel. He says, you know that the resurrection is real because the scriptures prophesy it. Hundreds of years before Jesus even came to this earth, men of God prophesied not only his birth, not only his life, 
but his death and his resurrection. And then Paul tells them in verses 1 through 11 that if you don't believe the testimony of your own life and you don't believe the prophecy in scriptures, you know that the resurrection is real because there is eyewitness testimony to it. Paul says that after the Jesus came out of the grave, that he was seen by Cephas, that he was seen by the twelve, and that at one point in time he was seen by over 500 people. You know, that's the thing that, that, that separates Christianity, that separates the Bible from all other religious books, is that the Bible was written within the time frame of the events that happened. It wasn't written hundreds of years later, where somebody could just make up things. But Paul says, listen, we wrote this, but not only did we write this, but you can go and ask these people for yourself. They saw with their own eyes the resurrected Jesus. So after in verse 111, he affirms them of the reality of the resurrection. He sets that foundation. The resurrection is real. It is true. It happened. He then comes to verse 12, where we are going to pick up. And at verse 12, he begins to share the importance of the resurrection. I'm going to read verses, starting in verse 12, I'm going to go through verse 19. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Listen, as we dive into the rest of this text this morning, there is good news and there is bad news. In verses 12 and 13, we see that Paul plainly argues that if there is no bodily resurrection, that if resurrection is not true, then that means that Jesus Christ himself, the one who you have put your faith in, the one who you testify in, Paul says in verses 1 and 2 that, that, that they believed and were saved through the gospel message of Jesus, Paul says, if there's no bodily resurrection, then Jesus did not raise from the dead. And then as you go through verses 14 through 19, Paul then begins to explain to them that if Jesus never rose from the dead, there are some serious implications for us today. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a tenet of our faith. It's not just a side note. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of what our faith is built on. If you would look with me at verse 17 and verse 17, verse 17 capstones and really just summarizes the message of verses 12 through 19. As Paul is giving the importance of the resurrection in verse 17, Paul says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. In verse 17, the bad news of this text is that if the teachings of the Corinthian church were true, if it was true that there was no resurrection, if it was true that Jesus did not raise from the dead, your faith would be empty and you would be left hopeless. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, the gospel message is incomplete. In verses 3 through 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lays out what that gospel message is. Paul says that the gospel message is the death 
of Jesus, the burial and the resurrection. So without the resurrection, that gospel message that's supposed to be good news is no longer bad news because or is now bad news because it's incomplete. It's ineffective. And we are left in a state of despair. Because we are still guilty of our sins. What was a message of hope on the cross becomes hopeless as it remains in the grave. I want to read that verse one more time, verse 17. And as I read that verse, I just want you just to feel the weight and the gravity of what Paul is truly saying here. Think about the implications this has for us today. As we come to this verse, it's not a verse that we should just breeze by like nothing was said, but this is a verse that should stop us in our tracks and make us think about what Paul has said. Let's look at verse 17 with me again. Just think about what he's saying. If Christ is not resurrected, your faith is empty. All that you believe, all that your hope is in is empty. It's imaginary. You might as well go home. But not only is your faith empty, but the real bad news is that you are still guilty before God for your sins. And to understand the anguish and distress of verse 17, you first have to understand the seriousness of your sin. Listen, every last person in here, starting with me, you know, Paul said, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, who we look up to, said that he was the chief of sinners. Every single person in here, starting with me, is a sinner. The word sin is a archer's term. A sin literally means to miss the mark. So in archery, when you draw your bow and you shoot that arrow, and that arrow misses the mark, that is what sin is. We're missing the mark that God has set forth for us. Listen, if, as I said, that everybody's a sinner in here, if you're sitting there in your head and saying, you know, you might be talking about you, but you ain't talking about me. You know, I'm, I'm not a sinner. I, I'm not that bad of a person. Well, the Bible says that if we say that we have no sin, that we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, you know, what you're saying sounds good, but I'm not a sinner. Well, if you weren't a sinner before, you are now. The Bible in Romans 3.23 tells us that because we are all sinners, because we all miss the mark, that we fall short of the glory of God. Listen, it doesn't matter if you tell a little white lie. It doesn't matter if you rob a bank. It doesn't matter if you cheated on a test in school. It doesn't matter if you commit murder. All sins fall short of God's glory. Listen, sin is abominable to God. God hates sin. Sin is contrary to God's nature. It's contrary to who God is. Listen, God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's perfect. He's sinless. Listen, he hates sin. He cannot tolerate sin. And therefore, God cannot be in the presence of sin. So that's bad news for us sinners, because if we are in our sin, then we cannot be in the presence of God. But sin doesn't stop there. We know that we're all sinners. We know that because of our sin, we fall short 
of God's glory, that we miss the mark of what God has for our life, the design that he has for us. But even worse, Paul later tells us in Romans that the wages of our sin is death. A wage is something that you earn. A wage is something that you work for. A wage is something that you deserve. If you were to clock in and clock out all week long, when you check your bank account Friday morning, you expect for those wages that you've earned to be in your account. And in the same way, Paul says, because your work is sin, in your account before God, what you have earned is death. But listen, it's not just physical death, but it's spiritual death. It's eternal separation from a holy, righteous God. Listen, sin separates us from God. It creates a chasm. It creates a canyon, a breach that we are over here and God is over here. And there's nothing we can do on our own to get back into a right relationship with God. You know, as much as we justify and defend our sins and tolerate our sins and live in a society where sin is no longer called sin, I just want to remind you this morning that sin is serious. And sin is serious because it's serious to God. Now, as we go back once again to verse 17, understanding that we're all sinners, understanding that that sin causes us to fall short of God's glory, understanding the penalty for that sin in our life, which is eternal separation from God. Look at that verse again. That if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain and you are in your sins. Listen, so if you are still in your sins, you are still guilty before God. You're still under condemnation. You're still alienated from God. You remain unforgiven. Without the resurrection, the power of sin has not been broken. The sign that sin has been taken care of is the fact that death dies. If the power of sin has not been broken, Paul then tells us in verse 18 that we have no hope for future glory. We have no hope of heaven. Look at verse 18 with me. Paul says, Paul says, and they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. One of the joys of the Christian life is to know that while we may suffer in this life, there is a future glory that we anticipate. To know that life does not end at death, to know that we can be reunited with God for all of eternity in heaven and pure bliss and perfectness. Yet Paul tells us that if your sins are not forgiven, that at the moment of death, you will perish. That word perish means to be utterly destroyed. You know, there's a place in the Bible we see that word, and that's in John 3.16. In John 3.16, the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, so that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but will have eternal life. But listen, if the son did not finish the work that the father sent him to do, if he did not raise 
from the grave, then there is no eternal life. And all that there is is a state of perishing because our sins cannot be forgiven. Listen, not only would our future be hopeless, but in verse 19, Paul says that our life would be pointless. He says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all the men the most miserable. You know, I've, I've had a Sunday school teacher that said that even if he found out that Christianity was fake, that he would continue to live a Christian life because it made his life better. What we've got to understand is that we live in a privileged society where Christianity can be comfortable, where we don't suffer, where we're not persecuted for our faith. But Paul was writing to people that because of their faith, the same as countries all around the world today, because of their faith, they lost their family, they lost their friends, they lost their job, and many of them even lost their life. So what Paul says that if this is not true, if the resurrection is not real, if there's no good news in the gospel, we should be pitied the most out of everybody because we've suffered for nothing. I heard one person say it this way, if the resurrection isn't true, we should all go home because religion makes a lame hobby. As a matter of fact, later on in verse 32, Paul says, he says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Listen, why be a Christian if we have only suffered in this life and we have no future glory to anticipate? The resurrection of Christ is of utmost importance. At the beginning of chapter 15, Paul even tells them, he says, uh, in verse 3, he says, For I delivered unto you first of all, he says the, the gospel message is the first and foremost most important thing that can be delivered to you. Listen, without the resurrection, you remain guilty before God with no hope of eternal life and future glory. And that is bad news. However, as we look at verse 20, we'll begin to see some good news. Look at verse 20 with me. In verse 20, Paul says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Listen, Paul says if the resurrection was not true, if that tomb had the bones of Jesus in it still, that your faith is empty, that there's no future glory to anticipate. But he says, hold on, you don't have to worry about that because Christ is risen Listen, and because Christ rose from the dead, there is hope that we can be forgiven of our sins. There is hope that we do not have to remain guilty before God. There is hope that after we endure the sufferings of this life, that there is a future glory that we can anticipate, that we can be eternally reunited and reconciled with God the Father. Listen, because of the resurrection, we have a Savior who defeated death and is alive. Why is the resurrection so important? You know, oftentimes when we think of Christianity and we think of the life of Christ, we focus on the cross. And we should focus on the cross because it was on the cross where the payment for our sins was made by the blood of Jesus. But while we focus on the cross, we need to make sure that we do not make the resurrection 
an afterthought, that it was just something that happened after Jesus paid the price for us. Listen, the resurrection is not a PS at the end of the letter, but rather what the resurrection is, the resurrection of Jesus is the reward for his sacrifice. Listen, what happened on Easter morning? What happened that Resurrection Sunday acquitted Jesus of all the guilty verdicts that had sentenced him to death on Friday afternoon? Listen, on Friday afternoon, our Savior was hung and died a sinner's death. And by raising him from the dead, the resurrection is proof that Jesus is the Son of God and that his sacrifice at the cross was perfect and all-sufficient to save us and reconcile us or bring us back into a relationship with God. Listen, the resurrection is verification that what happened on the cross was real. Without the verification, there's no reason for us to think that God accepted the sacrifice of Christ. Listen, a Christ that remains in the tomb does not save. Tim Keller said that if Jesus rose from the dead, you have to accept all that he said. Listen, the validity of our faith does not hang on the question, was Jesus real? Virtually all scholars and historians agree that Jesus of Nazareth was a real historical person that lived 2,000 years ago. Listen, that's not the question we need to be asking. The question that we must ask is not, is Jesus real, but rather, is Jesus God? Listen, as we look at the historical Jesus, you have to decide for yourself who he is. Who is this man? Listen to me. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey? Who is this man that demons tremble at his name? Who is this man that caused the blind to see and the lame to walk? Who is this man that lived a perfect and sinless life? You've got to decide who is this man that endured the agonies of the cross? Listen, who is this man that as he took his last breath, the temple veil tore in two? Who is this man that the death could not defeat and the grave could not hold? Listen, you got to decide for yourself who is this man that now sits at the right hand of the Father waiting to come back with all glory and all power to bring his bride home. Listen, I'm going to tell you who he is. He is God. Now let's move on to verse 21 through 22. In verse 12 through 19, we saw the importance of the resurrection, that the resurrection validated and verified that the work that Christ had did on the cross was sufficient to pay for our sins. Now in verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Listen, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall they all be made alive. Verse 21 through 22, I want us to see the power of the resurrection. Listen, this is the hope of the gospel, that because of the finished work 
of Jesus Christ. That which was dead can be made alive. Listen, the Bible tells us that all those in Adam die. Adam was the one that brought sin into this world, and with that he brought guilt, he brought condemnation, and he brought death to his descendants. Listen, God designed a perfect and holy world, yet when Adam brought sin, he brought a curse to humanity, and we continue to bear that curse today. Listen, we talked about earlier, because of that sin, we're separated from God and left hopeless. However, the gospel message is a message of hope. So that's why we all put our faith in it. That's why we gather here every Sunday. That's why billions around the world praise the name of Jesus because there is hope found in that name. Listen, God designed you to have fellowship with him. God designed you to commune with him. And because of his deep love for you, while you were yet in your sins, he made a way for you to be brought back into a relationship with him. He made a way for you to be reconciled with him, for your relationship to be restored. Why? Because he loves you. Listen, when it feels like nobody loves you, when friends forsake you and family let you down, when it seems that everybody's turned their back against you, know that God loves you individually, personally. Because of his love, he did not leave you in your sin. Because of his love, he did not leave you in brokenness, but rather he sent his son to die on the cross as your substitute, as my substitute, in our place. Going back to that verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever will believe in Jesus Christ does not have to perish, but can have everlasting, eternal, never-ending life. Billy Graham said that the cross shows us the seriousness of our sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. Listen, without the resurrection, the cross is incomplete. But without the cross, Easter is powerless to save. Jesus came to earth to perform the greatest rescue story known to mankind. Listen, he came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Colossians 2.14 says that Jesus canceled the record of our debt that sin had caused by nailing it to the cross. Listen, all of your sins, past, present, and future have been nailed to the cross, have been took on by Jesus Christ. Listen, it was Christ who willingly went to the cross and it was our sin which put them there. Listen, it wasn't the Romans who crucified Jesus. It wasn't the Pharisees or the Jewish mob that crucified Jesus. But it was each and every one of us because of our sins. At the cross, 
Our Savior was hung high and stretched wide. At the cross, He had hand, or nails put in His hands and feet. He had a crown of thorns placed on His head. He had a spear thrust into His side. He was teacher, tortured and mocked and scorned, had His beard plucked out, was whipped with a cat of nine tails. He endured a suffering that none of us could imagine. Listen, at the cross, not only did he endure physical suffering, but the Bible tells us that on the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God for all humanity. The wrath that was deserved for me, the wrath that was deserved for you because of our sins, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God willingly stood in our place on the cross and took the wrath that was meant for us and put it upon himself. Listen, at the cross, Jesus suffered the death that we deserved so that we could have the life that he had earned. The blood of Jesus on the cross is what makes atonement for our sins. It's the price for our sins that has already been willingly paid. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. Listen, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by His wounds, by the wounds of Jesus on the cross, you have been healed. At the cross, sin died, but at the grave, death was overcome. Listen, the resurrection is God's amen to Christ. It is finished. And now, because of the finished work of Christ, salvation from sin is attainable. We can be forgiven of our sin. We can be brought back into that relationship with God, but it only comes through belief in the gospel message and trust in Christ alone. Listen, earlier I told you that the wages of our sin is death, but that's not the end of that verse, because at the back half of that verse, we see that while the wages of our sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, when you are in sin, you deserve what sin has for you. But when you are in Christ, listen, you are justified and you are declared righteous before the Father. Sin demands a payment that only God himself could pay. Listen, the firm foundation of your salvation is not about what you can do or what you've done, but rather it's about what Christ has already done for you. As you stand before God one day and give an account for your life, and he asks the question, why should I let you in? Listen, anything other than because of Jesus Christ is not satisfactory. Listen, you can't sit there and say, God, well, I gave to these charities. God, while, while I, I served at my church. 
God, well, I've been a good person. Listen, the Bible tells us that even our good deeds are as filthy rags, that all of our sin makes us to fall short of God's glory. Listen, when you stand before God and give an account for your sins, the only thing that will bring you into that relationship with him is faith in the gospel message. It's belief on his son, Jesus Christ. Because when you believe in the son, when you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, when you accept that free gift that is given to you, as God looks down on you, he no longer sees your sin, but rather he sees his son. To be in Adam brings eternal death and separation, but to be in Christ brings righteousness, justification, and life. Listen, just as Jesus went from death to life, he invites you to do the same. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You can go from old to new to death to life if you are in Christ. Listen, as we celebrate and remember the sacrifice of Christ this morning for the believer who has already put your faith in Jesus, praise him, praise God for a risen Savior. But you know, not only should we praise God for a risen Savior, but we should live like we have a risen Savior. Listen, when Christ died, he purchased not only our forgiveness of sins, but he purchased our obedience. Listen, he died for us, yet we find it so hard to live for him. And then for those of you who maybe feel like you're in a hopeless state, that you're broken, that you need the hope that, that you heard of this morning. The message for you this morning is to understand the seriousness of your sin. Understand that because of your sin, you are condemned before God, but also understand that you do not have to be. Listen, the Bible says to repent, to turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ alone. In April of 1830, George Wilson was found guilty of obstructing delivery of the mail, robbery of the mail, and endangering the life of mail carriers. The court sentenced Wilson and his partner, James Porter, to death. While Porter was hanged in July, President Andrew Jackson issued a pardon to Wilson because of friends that were lobbying on his behalf. For some inexplainable reason, Wilson refused the pardon. At that point, the case went before the Supreme Court as this had never happened before. And the Supreme Court had to decide that a citizen have the right to reject a pardon. And what the court said was that a pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential and delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. In the end, George Wilson was hanged. Listen, just as George Wilson was guilty, because of your sin, you're guilty before God and worthy of death. Nonetheless, you have been pardoned by the sacrifice of the Son, but it's up to you to accept it. So don't 
refuse the pardon. Because of the truth of the resurrection and the finished work of Christ, the curse was reversed and death was defeated, bringing hope and salvation to those who will call upon the name of Jesus. Every head bow and eyes closed. So to you, just as Jesus came from death to life, he is inviting you to do the exact same. Listen, if there's anybody in here this morning that has never put faith and trust in Christ, if there's anybody in here this morning that is worried about what comes after death and you hear the gospel message, you hear the gospel news, and you want to receive it, listen, you have to receive it. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, if, if that is you this morning, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer to invite God, to invite Christ into your heart. Listen, it's not a magical prayer. It's not a special prayer. It's not the words that matter, but rather it's the intent of the heart. Listen, just right there at your seat, you can call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And you can know for sure that heaven is your home and that Christ is your Savior. Just repeat after me in your heart, dear God, I know that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. Because I have sinned, I need forgiveness. I ask Jesus to come into my life. I repent of my sin and change direction by acknowledging Jesus as my Lord and Savior.